Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And boy, do we have a barn burner of an episode for you today, folks. What an incredible instant classic coming up for discussion on today's show. Christian, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm, I'm buzzing with excitement right now. Uh, Christian, I won't say what kind of gesture you're making at me through the, the Zoom meeting right now, but maybe I'll allow you to, to share a few introductory words. I woke up at 6.50 a.m. to watch this movie before I had to log on to Zoom to teach students. I just want you to know that, Scott. I want you to know that. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, if I didn't work at 7 a.m., I would have considered the plan. But alas, I had to fit this in after work. So <laughs> I am coming off a very, very fresh viewing, and Christian is fresh as of this morning, of Tom and Jerry the most recent movie to hit HBO Max, one of the many Warner movies that is dropping on HBO Max and simultaneously in the theaters. And wow, uh, Christian, I don't think we have to spare folks too much wondering. I think it's safe to say that neither of us liked this movie very much. <laughs> I didn't dislike this movie. Okay, we can work with that. It, 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 it was decently pleasant there were some smiles i i smiled a couple times uh i remember thinking what is colin jost doing in this movie (laughs) Uh, and then remember thinking again why is colin jost in this movie (laughs) (laughs) poor colin jost the object of christian's ire i love colin jost he is also marrying scarlett johansson no they're married Him and Scarlett Johansson are married. Good for them. And he is, I think, one of the best parts of Saturday Night Live. Him and Michael Che are incredible. And also thinking, why is he playing Randall Rich Dude in the Tom and Jerry movie? (laughs) Well, Christian, we can can suss that out (laughs) later on the show here. But as always, uh, we do want to start with just a little bit of context that has been our new theme here for season two of the Cinema Drip podcast. So Tom and Jerry, I am very glad that it came out this month. Obviously, we themed it around this movie coming out to look at live action animated movies. But I was hopeful because it is resurrecting this genre that I have some affection for. Um, But Sweet Tom and Jerry languished in development hell for quite some time. It was originally announced in 2009 before being shifted into plans for a fully animated film in 2015. And then once again, the plans changed and it was reverted to a live action animated version, this time directed by Tim Story, a fairly successful big budget Hollywood blockbuster director starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Michael Pena and of course Colin Jost. And in a way, bringing back this genre of live-action animation. I alluded to this on an earlier episode of this series, but one thing that interests me about the genre is that it is now still very popular, except the animated characters are just CGI. Whether that would be somebody who is a villain in an Avengers movie, or a Transformer, or what have you. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have had CGI appearances. Live action and CGI are more prominent and popular than ever. And so I was kind of curious about Tom and Jerry just to see if it could bring back this live action 2D animated specifically. 
blend of filmmaking in a successful way. Okay, but let, let, let me get something clear, though, because I, I honestly don't hate this movie. Having just seen it this morning, I watched Tom and Jerry as a kid, and kind of that joy that a kid goes into watching the cat and mouse chase is still here. The worst part of this movie for me was everything that wasn't Tom or Jerry. Maybe, you know, dialogue? Cut it. Maybe, you know, humans? Cut them. Did they really need to be there? Because in term, it's weird. This was a live action animate blend that didn't use the animation to bring out the best in live action and vice versa. It kind of just made me wish that this had been a full on animated Tom and Jerry movie. I think it may have worked better if they had gone that route as well. So Christian, I am curious, do speak on your history with Tom and Jerry a little bit. I don't personally have a rich Tom and Jerry history, but I'm curious how much of a fan you would consider yourself and how much that affected your viewing of this movie and how much you wanted it to be purely animated. So I posted on Instagram this morning on my Instagram story that I had watched it and someone messaged me saying, are you team Tom or team Jerry? And I go, you know, the answer to this. And and it was definitely, I loved Tom's just like obsession with trying to get rid of this mouse because he wanted to live his best life. And that comes out in this movie as well. I mean, I grew up watching Cartoon Network. This was on Cartoon Network. Afterward, this was on Boomerang. And uh, I don't know the exact word for them, but it introduced me to like the Rover machines. How, you know, you hit the thing that gets the mallet, that gets the scissors, that cuts the string, that releases the airplane, all of which are done in order to accomplish some goal that did not need to be overly complicated. And that was fascinating to me. It's like, Tom, why are you messing up your life this much? Just, 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 you, you, you got better things to do. Look, we get it. Jerry's an asshole. We don't need Jerry in our lives, but just keep going, Tom. I'm rooting for you. And that playfulness is still in this movie. I See, I feel that normally I'm the one who tries to champion things and I'm the more optimistic one and you're a little more comfortable living in the, the space of criticism. And, and yet here we are. You're finding the good in Tom and Jerry 2021. I, I'm, I'm excited. Maybe I'm, I'm selling you short here. <laughs> But I feel like I've somehow brought out the best in you. I, I, I've found some of your, your best qualities. I Look, because that's what I think this movie is trying to do. I love kids' movies because they're being marketed to kids. Like, their goal isn't some high and lofty aim. The way that, I mean, some of the movies that we've discussed, I think, have loftier goals yes. than what it is that they're giving me. And so if you set your ambition to be let's make a combo live action animated film that's not really heartwarming but you know has aspects of niceties when looking at the beauty of tom and jerry the beloved children's classic and uh, chloe grace moretz trying to figure out what she wants to do in life sure you know i'll go for it I'll take my kids to it. I don't have kids. If I had kids, I'd take them to this. This does feel like a movie that might work better for kids than adults. Not necessarily the Pixar school where it's a movie that can make anybody cry and make anybody love it. But if I were a... Would you a take young... Ruby to this movie? 
Oh, sweet Ruby, my little dog. If she were allowed into movie theaters, uh, I would. If she's allowed uh, into your living room. It's true. It's true. So I guess I'll have to experiment uh, the next time I see I, I see Ruby. For those of you listening and wondering, I am currently visiting with family. But <laughs> uh, we'll have to see what Ruby thinks of Tom and Jerry. So, Christian, we've been circling some of our thoughts about this movie. It seems like I liked it a little bit less than you. But I do want to get into some more of the nitty gritty here. First things first, this has been live action animated as a blend. We've been looking at movies that use animation, whether it's the Looney Tunes calling on those classic characters or something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit integrating classic characters with a completely unique and new character. So now we have a very 2021 version of this where Tom and Jerry, from the best of my knowledge and what my eyes were giving me, weren't traditionally animated. They and the other animated characters look to be CGI, but in the classical style of the 2D animated characters. So, Christian, did that style of animation work for you? It felt weird. It felt weird for at the beginning, but I think I settled into it. Because they go for it. Like, they have the huge ele- elephants. They have Spike. They have the rapping pigeons. Like, oh, I, I think that if they had just subtly try to do the 3d animation and not made a big deal out of it it would have been more awkward for me i'm like look if you're gonna do 3d animation you need to make it big draw my attention to it the beauty of this blend of this genre is that you're drawing my attention to the animation as it lies in contrast to the real world cinematography therefore yeah you know i'm okay with it sure Give me more elephants. Oh, the elephants. (laughs) I was very pro the choice of the filmmakers. And I'm not sure if this is... You can't really make it an extension of Tom and Jerry because the original shorts were purely animated. But the filmmakers made the choice that every animal in this world is an animated character. But I am all for this. I am all for this. And I I can tell you I am also pro that choice because what a bizarre world building choice to make it's the kind of thing that will be analyzed on reddit boards for the next two weeks because people probably will watch this be unenthused and find other strange things to discuss about it (laughs) wondering all the implications of having every single animal from elephants to tom and jerry to dogs to fish that are being sold at market (laughs) be animated i was very pro that choice but I didn't love the animation as much as you did, it seems. Especially for some of the non-Tom and Jerry characters. Some of the other cats that Tom runs into in particular didn't seem to be as animated or animated as strongly, I should say. And maybe that's because they were featured in fewer sequences and when they were trying to balance out where to invest more time and effort, it was given to the scenes with Tom and Jerry. I don't know. But the animation was a little jarring for me and I kind of wish they would have just committed to the 2D animation. And I'm not a filmmaker. I know that's expensive and challenging, so I'm not going to try to <laughs> tell the animators that they did a bad job. I'm just saying that this particular style of animation didn't really work for me. Yeah, but, okay, another thing that's interesting about this, though, this is the first movie that we're watching in this blend where the live-action individuals don't notice that the animated characters are animated. Like, these animated character animals just think they're animals. They don't know that they're animated. And that is 
a different take on the genre because normally they want to be meta about it. They want to be, look at the loony power, look at how Hanna-Barbera cartoons can work, look at how Warner Brothers animation can do these things. And that's not what's going on here. And honestly, I think that it could have worked be, okay, Tom and Jerry and some other Hanna-Barbera cartoons and some other Warner Brothers cartoons are the remnants of silent movies. And they were the remnants of silent movies for the longest time. I honestly think that this movie would have worked better as a blend if it had been a silent movie. Now you've got me thinking. That would have been interesting. Obviously, another medium that is very rarely used these days. Something like The Artist coming along and controversially winning Best Picture 10 years ago is one of the okay, I last love the examples. Artist. I also love The Artist. <laughs> but but that's that's the thing. Like, if you substitute The Dog and The Artist, which, by no. the way, one of the greatest movie A dogs. truly great movie dog. Next, next month, movie dogs. Here we go. I mean, we'd go with that. The Dog from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Old Brandy. That was a good, that was a good movie dog. Anyway, but the, if we had gone that route where the story is being told only through sound and then we have Chloe Grace Moretz either in color or in black and white, like pick your poison, but just trying to make it in this hotel with Tom and Jerry being animated like that, I would, that I'd be like, you know, some, something's cool here. Because this is an, it should be an exploration of form. That's what this blend is for. It should be an exploration of form. And they didn't explore the medium in this movie. They didn't. And it's definitely a choice to, as you're saying, have the live action characters not really notice that the animals are animated. And there is some playing with the logic. Obviously, a big draw of this genre is the animated logic breaking into reality so Daffy Duck can get thrown out of a moving car and then pop out of the glove box a second later. They do play with that. Michael Pena's character gets sucked into a whirlwind of animals fighting in a hotel lobby at one point, but they don't explore it a ton, like you're saying. It's mostly just normal movie wackiness with the wackiness rating not given an extra notch, and I do wish they would have either made more of the fact that the animals were animated and the humans were live action or at least just done more in seeing how it affect the world because when they do have the animated characters affect the world i think it's done pretty well there's a hotel room sequence or i should say a sequence in a hotel room because most of this movie is in a hotel but a sequence where tom and jerry are fighting alone in a hotel room and they destroy the room and all of that is handled in a really fun and interesting way it's a good tom and jerry scene and the live-action setting is obviously being played with a ton by these animated characters. And it's a pretty cool scene when you consider the effort that would have gone into making it work. But I wish that they would have done even more. I don't really have too much to say about this movie more than what we've already said. Except that the strongest parts of this movie were the Tom and Jerry interactions. Like, I didn't really care about Colin Jost's marriage. Poor, poor Colin Jost. So the other thing that I did want to ask you about, because I don't want to belabor this point either. I think, as we've said, Tom and Jerry is going to be Tom and Jerry. Maybe better for kids than for us lousy grown-ups. But I did want to ask your thoughts on some of these live-action performances. Chloe Grace Moretz is playing the lead. Kayla, a young woman who is fired from her 
gig economy job and then lies her way into a job planning events at this hotel. Michael Pena plays the incumbent events manager who's trying to figure out what she's up to. What even is Michael Pena? Like, not not in this movie. I mean, in life. He is an, an excellent actor. <laughs> I love him in Ant-Man. In Ant-Man, he's incredible. He is the best part of those movies, to me, at least. To many, hopefully. I, oh, don't even. I love Ant-Man. We also have Rob Delaney, who maybe some people will recognize him. He has been around for a long time, stand-up comedian, had a show on Amazon Prime, but he's the owner of this hotel. And who else am I forgetting? We talked about Colin Jost. His lovely bride is played by Pallavi Sharda as Preeta. And Ken Jong has a small appearance as the chef, but that's about it for the major characters here. I guess we have Jordan Bolger as well as Cameron, who is the bartender of the hotel, who gets a flirtation ship going with Kayla. But all in all, Christian, what do you think of the live-action performances here? I mean, it's worth talking about as we review this movie. The live-action performances can't help or hinder, so what do you think? They, 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 they were there. I mean, in terms of um, performances that make me, that like reinvigorate my love for acting is uh, uh, that that's not on display here. Uh, in terms of performances that play off of the 3D animation, I think that that kind of is there by Colin Jost and Pallavi Sharda, but overall it, it's i look look i think that we needed performances that knew a little bit more how to play with the animation like i loved it when they were on the backs of the elephants or when they're watching tom play the piano when they're admiring the animals but outside of that i look whatever plots were going on i didn't really care about yeah I don't know if that's more a fault of the writing not being super interesting or if that's a fault of the performances. I'm with you in that there's nothing particularly exceptional here. I was sort of mostly curious about your thoughts on Chloe Grace Moretz as the lead. How did you feel about her performance? I know she's, again, been around for a while and she's younger than the both of us and yet has been in almost 60 and movies. Isn't so that frustrating? It is quite isn't frustrating. That just downright <laughs> the worst. Uh, and yet she is an excellent young actor and I'm a, a, a Fulio who podcasts quite literally in this moment in my mother's basement. Normally it's just in my living room, but I digress. No, I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz is fine. She, I completely loved the youthful energy there but that's that's it i kind of wish she'd gone a little bit more over the top i think that at some instances she's trying to go for a more comedic energy i think that um ken jong was the only one who was actually at his most over the topness craziness and he has like two minutes of screen time yeah, but I I think that we need we need performances in this genre to fall either in the Michael Jordan camp or in the um, Brendan Fraser camp. Brendan Fraser going full on, hey, WTF is going on? I'm gonna be a spy now. What like this this ah uh, this nervous energy that he brought to so many things in that movie. 
that I think plays well with the nervous energy of the animation. Or Michael Jordan saying, look, I'm too cool for this. But both as acknowledgments of what's going on around them. And I don't really think any of the performances here were able to pull that out. That's also partially due to, like we talked about, the movie infrequently implicating the live action characters in the animated shenanigans. That scene that I mentioned that I liked where Tom and Jerry trash a hotel room. Obviously, there's no humans there being subjected to the chaos. There is that whirling tornado. And I thought at times they did do a nice job of having the extras in particular react to the characters well. But there's not a ton of, like we've been talking about, implicating the animated and or the live action people with the animated shenanigans. Obviously, often they're just observing it or they're reacting to it in the background after it's already passed. So definitely more that we could have gotten there. Uh, Christian, any final thoughts on Tom and Jerry before we move on to a a part of this show that I always enjoy when we get to wrap up a blend, the awards, the awards for live action animated movies. But yes, Christian, any final thoughts? I would be interested I'll be interested in following the success that this movie has to see if they want to kick off more. And obviously later on this year, Space Jam, uh, New Legacy is coming out with LeBron James and both of us will be watching that. Oh yeah, we will. However, I'm going to be, not just whether or not we like it, but if people like it. Because I've said this before, if there's a resurgence in this type of style, cool, great. I, uh, out of all the movies we've seen, there hasn't been one I've hated. Like, even Tom and Jerry. M- not, like, maybe not for me, but I'm not going to trash this movie. And and there are parts of it that I liked and I, I found enjoyable and that I do as I'm grading papers. Like, if I'm grading papers and um, contemplating life choices and my own abilities as a teacher, yeah, you know, I'll watch an animated elephant. There you go. Tom and Jerry... Not really recommended by me, recommended for some background viewing, perhaps by Christian, or a good one to show the kids at home. Not too many fun facts, because this movie did just come out, but I do want to mention some casting what-ifs here to uh, to share, just because I think there are, surprisingly, a bunch of names thrown out for the part that Chloe Grace Moretz inevitably got, and it's so many different types of movies. So, here you go, Christian. Here's the laundry list. People who were considered for the role before it went to Chloe Grace Moretz. Zoe Deutsch, Olivia Cook, Sophia Carson, Elle Fanning, Jennifer Lawrence, Ariel Winter, Naomi Scott, Meg Donnelly, Haley Steinfeld, Yarash Hedi, Kelly Marie Tran, Becky G, and Isabella Monaire. All in consideration for the role. Anyone there particularly stand out to you as someone who you think would have made this movie better? Okay, I know that she's the biggest name on it, but I'm thinking of Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone where she eats the squirrel. And so I'm trying to think, like, would she just grab an animated squirrel in this movie and eat it? Just, like, raw? I'd be in for that. There is, at one point, an animated squirrel. So who knows? (laughs) Trying to imagine Jennifer Lawrence in this role, though, is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually laughed out loud when I first saw that because for for the most part, the other actresses in consideration for the role are younger actresses younger. like like Moretz who have mostly been in TV roles or 
kind of teen comedy, young adult comedies. And not what to about, dismiss the, car- the careers of some of these ladies, but it's just funny seeing J-Law who has had her prestige career and X-Men career already. <laughs> but what about the, the, the one who did the driver's license song? Olivia Rodrigo? Yeah, put her in here. I feel like a, she'll, she'll be acting soon. She as already they all do. is acting, Christian. Are you not as aware of a this? film star? She was in not high in school, high school. The musical, musical, the musical, the series, <laughs> series. That was a major Disney Plus streaming original, Christian. All right, there are you know a what? lot. I, you know who I want to be in this role? I want Taylor Swift in this role. That's who I want to be in this role. I need someone who writes. I I need someone who writes music. To be in this role. This movie would be unwatchable if Taylor Swift is in this role. I love Taylor Swift, but she's such a big star. How could she be in this movie? Why not? Uh, see. She did the Lorax? She did do the Lorax. She did the Lorax. So maybe I'm wrong here. She also doesn't have a great track record of acting. Was she in Valentine's Day? Is that what that movie's called? I, she, I think so. She, she was in the, the, the Giver. All right, move on. We've digressed into discussing Taylor Swift's acting career. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this episode. She'll be angry that I said Taylor Swift shouldn't do anything. Tom and Jerry, it's streaming on HBO Max, folks. It is available for you. Maybe check it out. Give it a watch if you got nothing better to do this weekend. So now we get to shift into, as I mentioned, a fun part of every final episode of the month as we get to share our awards for this live action animated blend that we've done. As always, whenever I was in charge, things get weird and I picked weird movies for us to watch. And so Christian, before we get into the categories here, as you reflect on this month, Perch, you know, especially in comparison to the other kinds of marathons we've done here, just what are your thoughts? Are you happy with this month? Did I do you right? Do you wish that I could stop picking weird movies like these? Just in general, as you reflect on the four that we watched and discussed here on the show, you know, what are your thoughts? I okay, not that's. Uh, I did you ever consider having Mary Poppins be one of your choices? I haven't seen Mary Poppins. I think in its entirety. And I haven't seen what I've seen of Mary Poppins in over a decade. Interesting. I did not consider Mary Poppins because it does have the famous sequence blending live action and animated. It was very groundbreaking to that regard. But I was going for movies that were full blends. So something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in which Roger Rabbit is a part of the movie from the very beginning. And one to that full length feature length seamless blend of live action animated so mary poppins wasn't on the list for this particular blend the, i i mean it was an interesting month i will not fault you for this month I, I i actually there were quite a couple of things that i enjoyed especially once again as we break apart genre and explore what it means to even be an animated movie so it was interesting uh yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) I probably won't ever get worse than football month unless I try, because I know you weren't a fan of football month. (laughs) So I'm glad that you're walking away from this one. Not too displeased with me. And that leads us. Okay. So uh, quick aside, just, just, just the quick. I was listening to a podcast episode on the Royal Tenenbaums. And I was thinking, what if, Instead of Brendan Fraser, Gene Hackman had been Brendan Fraser. Wait, what? So Gene Hackman? Yeah. You know Gene Hackman? Yeah, I do know Gene Hackman. Let's replace 
Brendan Fraser with Gene Hackman in Looney Tunes back in action. What? But, but like, am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> in that movie, Brendan Fraser's character is the son of someone Gene Hackman's age. Specifically, Let's it's important that his Gene... father is the spy slash actor. But let's make Gene Hackman the father of someone Brendan Fraser's age. So it's the same movie, but you replace Timothy Dalton with Gene Hackman? No, 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 no. You you have Brendan Fraser be the one captured. And so... Gene Hackman needs to save him alongside Daffy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, I have too much nostalgia for Looney Tunes back in action. I don't think I can replace Brendan Fraser. Oh, boy. I, okay, but look, the day will come when Wes Anderson makes a live-action animated blend. I'm curious. He's only worked in stop motion, so I guess we'll have to see. Yo, why don't we get live-action stop motion? You want to hear about a little Brendan Fraser movie called Monkey Bone, Christian? <laughs> you know what? I don't. Let's start with these <laughs> awards. What's the first award, Scott? Oh, boy, I, I made some weird choices recreationally to support this blend of the month. The first category that we are going to be discussing is best live action animated moment where the two worlds collide and the live action folks get animated. Christian, you were the one subjected to these movies, so I leave it to you. What was your favorite live action animated moment? Okay, I'm 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 not sorry. I am going with the car chase scene in Looney Tunes back in action. The car chase scene in Looney Tunes back in action where the spy car Bugs and Daffy are in the back of this car fighting while Brendan Fraser's in the front also fighting and they're being chased by Yosemite Sam and then the car starts flying and then it stops before hitting the earth because it ran out of gas oh my goodness that is comedy that right there is the best of both worlds that is the best scene we've seen this entire blend I love it I always love love for Looney Tunes back in action and also like that choice because it's not just live action and animated characters interacting but also the live action world being subjected to animated logic like you said so i think that is an excellent choice my pick maybe it's a little bit of a cheat because it's more than a moment but my pick is eddie valiant visiting toontown in who framed roger rabbit rabbit <laughs> i was a fan of that movie watching it for the first time and loved the way that the live action characters were blended into or excuse me, the animated characters were blended into this live-action detective story, but when he first visits Toontown and has to blend in with all of them, I was just a huge fan of that scene. It was one of my favorite parts of that movie. And of course, Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny on screen together for the first time. You gotta love that. Rivals becoming friends, making a live-action guy fall because <laughs> they won't give him a parachute. I'm a fan. So that was my pick for live action animated moment. Any others you want to shout out before we move on to the next category? I have, I, I don't know why this one came to mind specifically. Well, two, one, the arm extension in Space Jam. Of course. It's iconic. Absolutely. And like, and iconography is what we're going for here. But also the dueling piano scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think is fantastic as well as oh there was another one 
whenever Roger has something to drink and just explodes. I, I, th- I think both are so, I mean, fun is cool to look at and makes you rethink what is possible in this world. Yes, I second those choices. All very good. I would extend the dueling piano scene into, of course, Jessica Rabbit's song, not because I'm a weird pervert from the internet, but because I think it is an effective scene in the context of the movie. And my boy Bob Hoskins does some good acting there. There's also, for me, so many to choose from in Looney Tunes back in action. So it's hard to try to find one that I want to pick. But I I also love a different chase, but Brendan... Frazier, I should say DJ. DJ chasing Daffy through the Warner Brothers lot, ultimately causing the water tower to crash down and destroy a bunch of things. Another chase in that movie, but one that plays with the rules of the world. Obviously, Daffy can run into a painting and Brendan or DJ just runs right through it. They have some fun playing with the world there, in addition to some classic Looney Tunes gags. So another favorite scene of mine from Back in Action. Our next category, as we progress on this wonderful award show, is Best Live Action Performance. Obviously, a very important part of these movies is can the actors pretend like the characters are there? It's easy to animate characters to interact with live action people, but to build your performance around your scene partner not actually being there is a challenge and one to be commended when it is done well. It's also just become a hugely important basis of being in blockbuster movies and being a movie star over the last 40 years as special effects and CGI have become more and more prevalent and more and more important to our biggest movies. So Christian, what was your favorite live action performance in this live action animated blend of the month? Michael Jordan. It was Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael Jordan. Speak on it, Christian. It, it's, uh, okay. It's not like points for acting. It's points for being an image. It's points for being able to just stand tall and be like, yeah, I'm here. And when directing these movies, I mean, a director is kind of focused on images and uh, how iconic things can be. And when you grab the most iconic sports individual of his era at that time it's going to make you feel a type of way it's going it like it makes sense that the top two build names are bugs bunny and michael jordan saying our names can just kind of stand by themselves and people will know everything about us and how he just went into the looney tunes world and just went into and played basketball with them it fits the entire style so i am going with michael jordan uh other than that i'll also give my favorite voiceover performance and that is roger rabbit charles fleischer in the role of roger rabbit now i'm kind of sad inside because i feel like bugs bunny has my heart but in terms of pure voice acting abilities it did have to be roger rabbit's ability and what he's pulling off in who framed roger rabbit there you go you gave us a little bonus award there thank you for the extra work my friend 
I like the choice of MJ. I feel that he does not get love for his performance in Space Jam. It's more just part of that movie being a cultural phenomenon, and his performance is kind of excused. But it's not a bad performance, especially one by a non-trained, non-professional actor. I, I like Jordan in that movie, and watching it now as a grown-up, even though I have nostalgia for it and it makes me smile... I didn't think that his performance was all that terrible, and so I'm with you. I think that is an awards-worthy performance on this show, perhaps. Um, he didn't deserve an Oscar in real life, but I am okay with that award being given. For me, I'm also going with Who Framed Roger Rabbit for this pick, and my favorite live-action performance was Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant. I was not super familiar with Bob Hoskins before watching Roger Rabbit, and... I think he set a high bar for interacting with animated characters as part of your performance. Whether he's getting handcuffed to Roger Rabbit, or he's vavavooming at Jessica Rabbit, or running around Toontown. I really love the way that he interacted with the animated characters, but also he just gave a good hard-boiled detective performance. And that was one of my favorite parts of that movie was the solid detective story at the heart of it with the wackiness of the animated characters fitting in. So I was a big fan of Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I'll also give you my favorite voiceover performance, which goes to Joe Alasky, who is the voice of both Bugs and Daffy in Looney Tunes Back in Action. Obviously, growing up with that movie a little bit more so than Space Jam, I have some more nostalgia for that performance. Different actors, it's Billy West, who I also love, as Bugs in Space Jam, and Dee Bradley Baker, who again, I'm a fan, as Daffy. But their voices just sound slightly off to me in Space Jam, and I think it's they partially... Do. They do. Yeah, it's partially because of my affection for back in action. So Joe Alasky, rest in peace, my man. Uh, I guess for Bob Hoskins as well. But I definitely love the, uh, that interpretation of Bugs and Daffy. So, Christian, now the same final award as always. It's time for Best Picture. Uh, safe to say this is Tom and Jerry, so we'll just skip right over it. I'm just kidding. I don't think that's either of our Best Picture award. So, Christian, I do now ask, what is your Best Picture for this live-action animated blend of the month? I'm trying to guess what your Best Picture is. I think it's one of two, but I will go with, uh, do I go with this? Yeah, I do. I, I This is actually kind of hard. I'll go with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, though. I go with, I'll go with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think that it's inc- very problematic. I think that it has some things I will cringe at, but in terms of directed performances and story, and animation and dedication it did the most and the best out of all four movies so christian do we have a consensus i gave my first two awards to who framed roger rabbit will i be giving the best picture award to who framed roger rabbit the answer these aren't the oscars (laughs) it's true these aren't the oscars and as i thought about this i think i I sent it in my head that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is probably the best movie that we watched, but my favorite movie is still Looney Tunes Back in Action. It is a movie that I have immense nostalgia for, so yes, the blinders are on, the rose-colored glasses are on, but also it is an adventure movie, a globetrotting adventure, the kind of movie that I love to watch. I think Brendan Fraser is underrated as a movie star, and he is quite enjoyable in that movie, mixed in with my favorite Bugs and Daffy performances. 
that I can recall in my own life, except for Mel Blanc in the original cartoons, of course. And Steve Martin is so, so funny as the villain, the villainous head of the Acme Corporation. He is giving a ridiculous performance, and I love it every time he's on screen. So as much as I might have to acknowledge that Who Framed Roger Rabbit as a work of cinema is more influential, more important than Looney Tunes back in action, and in some ways a little more refined, I have to go with my heart. And my best picture goes to Looney Tunes back in action. What a dope I am. <laughs> I, no, no. I think that if more people went with the movie they liked, the world would be a better place. That is true. That is true, Christian. There you go, folks. Live action animated for February 2021. It's in the books. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? One of the most important movies for this genre, kicking us off a few weeks ago. Looking at Looney Tunes movies with Space Jam and Looney Tunes back in action. And then wrapping up with some of their competition now emerging into the limelight here in 2021 before they do in Tom and Jerry. All in all, I'm glad we did this month. I am a huge fan of the first three movies that we discussed. And we also watched Tom and Jerry. But I'm glad that you liked it more than I did. And you were able to catch up with a new release from this year that wasn't utterly disappointing and i don't know if you would have watched it if it weren't for this i probably would not have so all in all it's a month that i'm pleased with i am also pleased with this month i look forward to watching more animated movies on this show hooray we also have talked about some really good animated movies purely animated movies in the past and so maybe we'll have to do a studio ghibli round two at some point because that month was straight fire last year and i have now watched more ghibli than ever before because of it so who knows we might have to look at some more purely animated projects in the future but now christian with this month behind us we look ahead to next week's streaming recommendations episode and as we are wont to do here on the Cinema Drip Podcast, we have some special guests joining us. So why don't you go ahead and introduce who will be coming on to our recommendations episode to hang out next week. So Emily Baker is coming back and we'll also be introducing Braxton Cody. Braxton Cody, Cinema Drip super fan, getting to make his debut appearance on the pod I'm so excited to get to meet you via Zoom, Braxton. It should be very fun. And Emily was wonderful to meet on the horror recommendations we did back in October. So I'm looking forward to getting her thoughts on maybe the exact opposite genre. Because we, in the spirit of February, though February is ending, we'll be looking at some rom-coms for our streaming recommendations next week. We're confining ourselves to rom-cons in the 2010s. A lot of people discussed how that genre in particular died down after the boom in the 90s and aughts. And the 2010s did not have as many rom-coms. So we're going to be showing some love to some of our favorites that came out that month. I've already seen one of the movies that we'll be discussing, or rewatched, I should say. One of the movies we'll be discussing, and I loved it the same. So I'm looking forward to Did you to see my movies. pick? I sure did. Yo, my pick is amazing. Your pick is straight fire. I'm looking forward to recommending it. So, rom-coms from the 2010s next week with Emily and Braxton. It should be a lot of fun. So, as always, if you've reached this point in the episode, we thank you so much for being here. 
Christian and I love putting this show together for you, and it means a lot that there are folks out there listening. You guys mean the world to us. You guys and gals mean the world to us. Excuse me there. We're so glad to have you along for this Cinema Drip journey. There are a few things you can do to support the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, because it helps us reach new listeners. So go ahead and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, we do love to read those reviews live on the air. You can also send us an email with some feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We've really appreciated the feedback we've gotten there. It's always fun to interact with some people who are listening. And we do take your feedback seriously and consider it for future episodes of the show. You can also follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. I just put up a review for Monkey Bone, (laughs) starring Brendan Fraser, so you can see my thoughts on that movie, which honestly are a bit of a hot take. Christian, any Letterboxd reviews that you recently posted? No, not recently. I am trying to collect thoughts just on the Oscar movie entries that I'm going to be posting soon. Oh, yes. Oscar season is almost upon us. I'm looking forward to discussing those movies with you. Maybe on the show. We'll have to see what we can do. And you can also follow the show on Twitter, where we're trying to be more active, sharing as episodes come out, and sharing some more questions and things to engage with y'all. So do feel free to follow us there at Cinema Drip and tweet at us. It would be super de duper de fun. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? If you make pork tenderloin, you should season it with parsley, oregano, garlic, and make sure that the pork tenderloin itself has been doused in salt and pepper. And make sure that you preheat your oven to 350 and you can leave it in there for 30 minutes. That should be about two pounds-ish of loin. That's a delicious recipe, Christian. Thank you for sharing your culinary expertise. (laughs) He's Chef Christian, and I'm Dopey Scott, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.